On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are pulling out all the backstops for Channel 4's Brexit, the uncivil war, warmly welcoming Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney's catastrophe back to our screens, researching the science of shagology in Netflix's sex education, and sitting back while Terry gets apoplectic about the televisual war crime that is the remake of Charmed. Hello and welcome to 2019. I'm James Dyer, and this is a very special pilot TV podcast event. Over the next hour, you'll be presented with a number of choices that will lead to a branching narrative so that no two of you will experience the exact same rambling podcast experience. Ready? Then let us begin. The new year has not sadly brought new friends, and I am once again joined by the same pair who hounded me throughout 2018. First up, we have... For Terry, press left on your remote control now. For Boyd, press right on your remote control now. You have selected Terry White, pilot's Obergruppenfuhrer who rules over all of us with an iron fist. Hello, Terry. How are you? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) How many people do you think would press left? I mean, who knows? Obviously, Obviously lots of people. Yes, sorry, Boyd. Uh, what was the best present you got for Christmas? Sorry, mate. The best present I got for Christmas was, this is a good one, Sylvia Platt's typewriter of choice. 1960s vintage typewriter. Not her oh, yeah, actual... I, I saw a picture of that. Yes. That looked fantastic. Not her actual typewriter, because that would be weird and morose. Yeah. <laughs> but just her preferred brand of typewriter. You got a 1960s typewriter? Yes. Like not like mechanical, not electric. Um, yes, mechanical, and it was even um, re what do you call it re ribboned, re ribboned. You, you'd hope so because those run out, you know. But it's <laughs> it's in full working order, so I should be writing some ditties. Do you not think it's probably easier to use, you know, word? Yes, but it's less romantic, and you know, when I'm alone late but at don't, night. Then you also have to pound the keys quite hard to make yeah. it work. So when it I was buggered your fingers. Yeah, and it also it really annoys the people downstairs. So when I was little, I had a massive vintage iron typewriter that I got from a school fate. I won it in some kind of jumba <laughs> jumba ray jamboree thing. Jamboree, and. Yeah. Um, I used to drive my mum mad because I used to write these mad pirate short stories and I used to be banging and hammering away and apparently the noise through the floor was a right bugger. Wow, that sounds quite (laughs) extraordinary. Moving on, joining Terry and myself is... For Boyd, press left on your remote control now. For a random selection from Boyd's assortment of celebrity friends, press right on your remote control now. You have selected... Russell Tovey, he's the star of Being Human and the History Boys. No, of course, I just. How are you, Boyd? I'm very, well, I'm very much enjoying your impression of the noise of the uh, when you choose your option yeah. on that episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, it's very good. It's, I, I thought, I thought the visual element I couldn't very yeah. well convey yeah. on the podcast, zoom. so I thought I'd go for a zoom. Yeah, it's great. Uh, what does Santa bring you, Boyd? Um, my best present. My mum got me a Millennium Falcon cushion. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like shaped like not, shaped, just, not just with a picture no, on it. No, shaped like the Millennium Falcon and I think very accurate to its scale. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a, a full scale. No, no, no. Like no. a life a size. No, no, no. That's no. a lot of stuff. Not there. life size. It's to scale, but but accurately shaped and everything. Yeah. Oh, okay. And That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's the shit that did the Kessel Run in less than 12 months. Absolutely. Parsecs. Exactly. Extraordinary. Yeah. And, and more importantly, which famouses did you spend Christmas with? 
Well, New Year's Eve, I was on the radio with Maureen Lippman. <laughs> oh, my God. Live. Live on Radio 4. What, counting on, in yes. the New Year. It's on, if you want to listen to it on the BBC Radio iPlayer, me doing a quiz of the cultural highlights of the year with Maureen Lippman. Oh, my, how is Maureen? She was on great form. <laughs> And Can I got... just say that this sounds like the most depressing New Year's Eve in all New Year's it. Eve that's have ever existed. It was my dream New Year, New Year, because I love Maureen Newman. I was brought up on Agony. Did anyone watch Agony in the seventies slash eighties? This ITV sitcom. It was brilliant. It How was bro- old are you? I'm old. I'm everything <laughs> old. Answers on a postcard. Old. How old is Boyd? I don't remember the seventies. I got to be honest with you. Um, okay, no, that's yep. that's that, that, that's good. Um, Brilliant. Okay, well, let's let's before we get into anything else. Uh, what amazing telly did you gorge on between courses during Christmas? Like, what did you watch? So we watched a lot of it. Yeah. you know, as as is the way as at Pilot TV. Um, I rewatched uh, Agatha Christie um, uh, live on the telly. What do you make of the backlash to that? Because a lot of people have been saying it's like Agatha Christie for snowflakes. Uh, I find it intensely irritating. So I follow um, uh, Sarah Phelps on Twitter. And the writer, and she was getting so much shit from people, mainly men, I have to say, Mm. dudes on Twitter going, oh, bloody like snowflake, bloody Agatha Christie. And then she would like take, she was dealing with it so brilliantly. She was like basically rinsing these people on Twitter. And they were so patronising to her. They were going, oh, well, if you're not going to listen to our feedback, how will you ever improve? How <laughs> yeah, that will was, you improve? That was the best one. How will you ever improve was absolutely incredible. Uh, some moron <laughs> explaining to Sarah Phelps that she needs to improve by listening to morons on Twitter. My understanding of the criticism is that she's a woman and apparently women don't know anything, so she's not allowed to do Agatha Christie. Uh, she changes endings and facts, which apparently it's canonical, like the Bible, so you can't do that. Yeah. And also, so it was full of uh, like right-wing nationalists, and therefore it's liberal propaganda. Yeah. So even though it was historically accurate in terms of that being a, a particular time of fascism, people seem to think that she'd inserted all of that out of nowhere in some kind of uh, Remain Brexit kind of protest via television, <laughs> which seemed quite elaborate to me, and also basically uh, made it very clear that those people knew nothing about history. Wow. So, boy, did yes. you watch something? Similarly insane. I, I also watched that all over again and very much enjoyed it. I also watched Luther again. Luther. I mean, that's, as, as we speak, that's still going on, isn't it? It finishes yeah, tonight it on does. live. And well, uh, underline As how, we record, not as we go out. As we, as we record. And underline how brilliantly sick and twisted it was. I also watched uh, a show on Sky that we didn't have time to review on this very podcast, among all the other stuff. Escape at Danimora. Have you heard, do you know about this? this? Yes, mm. yes, yes, yes. This is the, uh, the, the Ben Stiller Ben Stiller thing directed. With, um, 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 what's his chops from DJ from, uh, Paul, <laughs> from Dane, Paul Dane. No, Dano, Dano. Um, Benicio Dano. Del Toro. Dano. Patricia Arquette and Benicio Del Toro. Yes. Patricia Arquette is the absolute star of it. She is phenomenal and she's the main reason to watch it. She plays this prison warden mm. who sleeps with both of those dudes who are prisoners. It's a true story I mean, of their wouldn't? escape. Yeah. But it's, 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 it, I have to say, the fir- I watched the first episode. It's beautifully filmed. I mean, it's shot in, it's, you know, we talk about cinematic TV. This really is stunningly well shot. It's shot in scope. It's literally, it is like, a film and the budget you can tell is massive the first episode is quite slow and deliberately paced as they say but i persevered and i have to say by about two or three i thought oh this is it's a really good it's like a kind of seven hour coen brothers film 
and wow. based on a true story. Okay. But she is so great, Patricia Arquette. That I think she. So I thought it was great, and it's on Sky and now Box It's the whole thing's available. Fine, now. so people can still watch yeah. it. Okay, good. Seven that's, hours. That's a good recommendation. Uh, what did I watch? I mean, I watched a lot of The Shield. I got my Blu-ray box set, which I'm very oh, excited yeah. about. On import. Uh, on import, yeah, because it still hasn't been released. I don't know if it ever will be over here either. But so you can import it. Um, but it's just it's such a fucking good show. It yeah, is it so incredible. good. Uh, really, really quite extraordinary. It's really funny though because, like, you see, like, um, like Frank Grillo's in it as one of the kind of really sort of like blink and you'll miss him kind of police officers who kind of comes in and out, has a line here and there, and then at one point, Doug from. House of Cards is caught wanking in an alleyway with a full oh, head of hair. Nice. <laughs> and also turns out to be a serial killer, but that's a spoiler. Um, you but, can always tell serial killers because they're wanking in alleyways. Yes, you can. Yeah. I mean, it is a telltale sign. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, it's so good. It's, I mean, it's a very bleak show, but not in a kind of like a morose way, just in the, like, people are terrible and mm. the world is terrible kind of way. Uh, it's not easy watching, but it's incredibly compelling. I do encourage anyone to, A, import it, but even if you can't, just, you can probably pick up the DVDs on eBay for like a pound each, the box sets. The seven seasons of it. Absolutely do it. You cannot pick fabulous. them up for a pound each. I bet each. you can. I <laughs> you bet just made you can. That up. No, I absolutely bet you can because they've been out for ages and DVD box sets are worth absolutely nothing secondhand. So go into computer exchange or something, pick up for a pound. This that's, is- that's a pilot TV price match guarantee. <laughs> this is a classic James yeah. Dyer status fact even yeah. though it's nowhere near the truth please write in with your <laughs> prices that you have found the shield dvd box sets for so that we can tell terry she's wrong uh okay good this is this is all good now i i suspect i suspect and as people may have gathered from that laborious introduction <laughs> earlier on we did watch black mirror's band oh, yeah, snatch event yeah, during is. the break uh branching narratives and all thoughts did netflix band a snatch victory from the jaws of defeat i, I thought it was pretty incredible i did wake up or was it on the 28th <laughs> All right, I can already tell. Yeah. I can tell. Listeners, the face just pulls <laughs> by Terry White. Said it all. I woke up. I was so, I'm a huge Black Mirror fan, so I mm. did wake up on the 28th at about 8 a.m. ready to have my Black Mirror interactive experience. And I, w- I did, was not let down. I, th- I thought technically it was phenomenal. I mean, it works seamlessly, the, you know, the whole deciding what to do, deciding which cereal to eat, he's going to eat and not. And I particularly loved, I, th- I think I got a, a little bit frustrated towards the end of my first experience that I, I was kind of repeating, it was repeating itself, mm. that I got to the Netflix-based, very self-referential, postmodern bit. Have you done that the bit? The best bit of yeah. the whole the thing. Best bit of the whole yeah. thing. The and worst thought, bit of the whole thing, yes, I can. Oh, I thought agree. that was the best bit. Oh, I, I thought that it. was so great. The Kung Fu sequence. I loved all oh. that. Yeah. yeah. yeah so it. that completely won me over and I thought it was great. I just thought it was a genuinely innovative, daring, bold thing. See, see, you say this. You say this. Oh, well, I know there's been attempts to do this But my whole thing. thing is there was a period of time in the early 90s where every computer game was that show. I know. Where I know. it was full motion video shot with branching narratives and it was all shit. And let's be honest, this is a bit like that. Um, so my, my issue with this is that if you take out the interactivity the narrative itself isn't very good if you take out the interactivity and the 80s nostalgia the narrative really isn't very good and if you look at a flowchart of the branching narratives it's incredibly like millimetres deep like it's not particularly well thought out there's a video game from last year called Detroit Become Human uh, which is a similar sort of thing but it gives you it gives you the chart of the branching narratives and shows you where all the choices could have made differences to the story. And it was a really silly inclusion in that game because it pulls the curtain too far back. But it does show you 
how deep it is and the, the opposite is true here like if you look at someone's done one you can find it on reddit you realize that some of the choices you make are completely cosmetic because they take you to where you were going to go anyway like do you want the lsd yes okay no well he puts it in your tree anyway so they use the same footage so it's not that great and the endings aren't that different and all of the endings aren't that fulfilling that said i had moments where i really enjoyed it and i found it a fun experience but i think afterwards examining what it was i think it was it was more gimmick than anything else and i read a whole thing about how netflix uh, had developed that technology for children's tv programming and they'd approached charlie brooker and asked him to create something around it and i think that's telling i think it wasn't like he had a vision and this was the only way to do it it was that he had a gimmick and he made something to fit the gimmick oh yeah but they've been quite open and honest about that i i I think the 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 best decision they made and that he the idea that he clearly got mm. that made him think oh yeah we can do this is to make it about itself and about the interactivity and so yes. and, I, and i and i loved all that i thought it, I, I i enjoyed it i thought it was cool so i'm gonna say something surprising which is james diet is a hundred percent right hey so, noting the date and time so it's it's one bloody long gimmick so at first i was like oh i'm gonna have the sugar puffs because you know i'm not an psychopath you are you should have chosen the frosties and and at first it was like it was fun even though actually what was interesting is psychologically i didn't watch it for a few days because i had some work to do over christmas and i was really tired and i couldn't commit to actually engaging with the show which actually i was more interested in it before i watched it and i i really had to get into a place where i was prepared to engage with it so i thought that was really interesting and then when it started i was like but James is exactly right, which is the narrative is not there. There is no compelling story there. I get the meta stuff. I get the self-referential stuff. The Netflix stuff drove me mental. Um, I get that, you know, the philosophical point about sometimes choices really don't matter. Choice is an they illusion. Don't. I really hate that whole subtext about the life of the artist and selling out to the man <laughs> and all the bad choices are about selling out to the man and all these artistic paintings. I just, I thought I left feeling slightly frustrated really quite disappointed wasn't in any way satisfied with any of the endings went round and round in circles for a bit um got quite bored looked at my phone ordered a pizza you know (laughs) thought about what i might have for my breakfast in the morning probably not frosties so for me it was like a um it was kind of this instant gratification and rush of like a new thing to play with and it kind of dissipated quite quickly and i have to say like will poulter we, you know, big fans of Empire. I don't think it was his best uh, moment necessarily. No, and he's been hounded off social media as which a result of this, nonsense, hasn't he? Which is nonsense, which is absolute nonsense because people are awful. Mm, they are. Um, but I don't know if it did anybody huge amounts of justice um, who, who were involved in terms of when you look at it amongst some of the other stuff they've done. I think it was an interesting project. Two years, I was reading it took two years. Not solidly, I think on and off, though. Not like 12 hours a day, boy. It's been in development for two years. But, yeah, I I thought it was very much a... a, The hype was interesting, the way people kind of went after it in this frenzy. I think there's lots of interesting psychological and sociological things around it, but the in and of itself as a piece of work it left me feeling empty and hollow, even more empty and hollow than I feel on a regular daily basis <laughs> as Terry White. 
the thing that, that most like in my mind through the beginning of it, and I should point out, I died within five minutes of starting. So did I. Right? I. I fell at the first hurdle. Um, was that uh, the head of the software company is Asim Chowdhury, who does the yes. hilarious British Airways safety videos, who I think is genius. Oh, he's brilliant, Asim yeah. Chowdhury. Yeah, absolutely. people people just do nothing. Um, I just, I, I, as an experience, I, I, I do agree with one thing. I think it's just, I think it's killed off the whole genre yeah. of interactivity <laughs> because the interesting thing about it was that it was dealing with interactivity as a subject, yeah. and, and if it hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have been bothered. So I was kind of more into it as an exercise, and I enjoyed the exercise. Mm. I, I kind of know what you're saying. Yeah, there, I, there are so many things I found satisfying. I thought the the guy reviewing them each time, the guy the, that nerdy guy on the TV show reviewing the video game each one was really funny. There, I, I just enjoyed those elements of it. So you know, I mean, I'm not saying it was the best Black Mirror ever, and I'll never watch it again, but. <laughs> And I don't want to see any interactive thing ever again on Netflix. <laughs> but for what it was, I thought it did it really well. For it, it, it was an interesting cultural event, I think. It was, it was definitely a good yeah. cultural event. And I'm, yeah. I'm not sorry that it happened. Uh, I just didn't think it was, you know. It fabulous. left me hungry for a proper new season oh, yeah, that's of Black true. Mirror. Which in TV news, he has, apart from taking two years to make, yeah. it does also mean that the, the next proper series has been put back. He, he admitted that, didn't he, in one of yeah. the interviews So he it's did. bad on so many levels. <laughs> that is annoying. That it's been, <laughs> but it will still be this year, apparently, this Okay. Calendar year. I'm guessing end of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, now we've got that out of the way, should we, should we dive into the world of TV news? Which yes. is something that's going to be made significantly more difficult by the fact that there has been almost no news since mid-December. It's almost as if there's been some kind of holiday. <laughs> um, as, as, can anyone think of anything? Well, yeah, Stranger Things premiere date was announced. Oh, that's true. That was yeah. news. Yeah, that yeah, happened. Yeah, that's July the, summer, the 4th. Yeah, yeah. So it's happening on July. Now, I, I, I was on set. Of that, you were. and it takes place in the summer of 1985, which is the first time the series ha- it takes place not in school time. So it's not going to be all about them hanging out at school. It's going to be about them hanging out in this in the new big shopping mall um, that they built specifically filmed for the making of this series. Mm. It's going to be it's going to have a summer vibe to it, which I think is going to make it feel quite different. Um, it's going to be kind of woozy and all of that, you know, without wanting to say any more about like, Mad things Max I can't say. <laughs> Yeah, I think mm. yeah, yeah. Um so that's exciting itself that July 4th Stranger Things season 3 it's exciting. Good. Good, good, good. No, I'm looking forward to it. I I'm, I'm a big fan of Stranger Things. I didn't like season 2 as much as season 1, but it's still very very good. Um Kevin <laughs> Kevin Feige have said a few let's be honest quite bland and uninvolving things about uh, about Disney Plus Marvel shows about how the long form narratives will transform the storytelling that they will be able to do on this platform. I mean, it was really, that's basically all he said. But, you know, there's not been a lot of news. So does that just mean that there's going to be, like, long-form series on it? Yeah, yeah. he's basically saying... I mean, it would be weird if there wasn't. Yeah, because we already know. They're doing, like, uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon. They're doing Scarlet Witch and Vision. They're doing Loki. And he's basically saying it will enable them to do new and interesting things in long-form. So, yeah, cheers, Kevin. That right. are still canonical and do not in any way disrupt the wider MCU. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. So, I mean, we knew that, and that's great. Although, uh, do we know we even getting Disney Plus in the UK? Or is it going to be like Hulu, where actually it'll just get oh, funneled into question. one of the other services? I think it, Disney I think wouldn't do it without no. being global, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't they? All, as far as I know, all of the Disney channels launch globally. So, you know, we've got the various Disney channels you can yeah. get on them. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure they will. Because obviously, like, Hulu is supposed to be launching here at some point, by the way. That, that, okay. they, they announced that ages ago. Because Hulu have know. a deal with Netflix, don't they, in, yeah. for yeah. UK distribution. But also CBS's streaming service do the same thing. Like a lot of the US streaming yeah. services. Because you do get to a point where how many streaming services does one person want, need, or able to afford? Well, there was a good feature in, one, in somewhere, somewhere like The Guardian, talking about how <laughs> we're going to have to deal with Apple's streaming service, Disney's streaming service, yeah. Netflix and Amazon 
and probably Hulu. It is going to be extremely complicated and challenging. Yeah, um, I don't know. Particularly for those of us who, who come up with magazines recommending <laughs> the best on all of those yeah. platforms. But I don't think it's just going to become like, um, I think Sky taking in Netflix onto their platform has yeah. been, is kind of a signifier of where we're oh, going to go. Yeah. Because where, what it's going to be is people are desperate just for it all to be in one place because mm, they can't yeah. be asked. Like even now, if I move between Amazon and Netflix and now TV, I'm kind of like, oh God, I wish somebody would make this easier for me. Absolutely. But that took ages for, 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 yeah. for Netflix to arrive on the Sky platform to go along time only recently happened so you think how long it will take to sort and this how out. does that work like you get it if you have scott you pay for your netflix but you can access it through the sky q box the latter exactly yeah. that right. okay. yeah. yeah fine so you just pay out all the monies to all the peoples but you can all access it's one, it one interface, place. right which i think is really like yeah. Yeah. important yeah mm. but it doesn't you don't get high dynamic range on its version of uh, 4k what by the, the way fuck? i know <laughs> just saying God, just, just burn the place down. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, that's pretty shit. But then I suppose a lot of people have smart TVs with an like an Android OS. So you can have an app for each different streaming service within your TV's yeah. OS. And but... if you use Apple TV, and I think I think Apple is probably looking into some way. You know, there was this rumor for years that they'll actually bring out hardware and a TV mm, and Apple TV and <laughs> Apple TV using their operating system mm. to make the, all of this easier. But whether that will work, I don't know. No, um, I'm going to move. It. You said OS, and I was like, mm. "Yeah, sorry, that's uh, get really boring." Boring. Um, convicting a murderer. Did you read this? Oh, yeah. about... Is this a sequel to Making a Murderer. A uh, kind of it's yes, spin off. It's, it's it? spin off. Yeah. It's not in any way linked. It's not Netflix. Um, it's apparently going to be out in the states in the autumn. I'm not sure if it comes here immediately, but it's. The Stephen Avery case from the other side. So obviously there were a lot of accusations when Making a Murderer first came out that it was kind of quite biased towards Stephen Avery um, and that it, you know, put the prosecutors in a really bad light. So apparently, according to the guy who is making this documentary, it's going to be from the view of the prosecutors and the state of Wisconsin and will present how they believe he's guilty. And Which is really weird because they are literally now like retrying him on telly, that's that's where we are. This is the Running Man. You do realise that. I was about to say the 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 morality and black mirrorness of this bothers yeah. me. Yeah. So it's this filmmaker Sean Wreck. I'd not heard of him before, but apparently he worked on this um, previous documentary a few years ago called Murdering the Park, which was a, a look at a death row inmate um and he's basically come out already and said you know the netflix one was really one-sided and he offers to um put a more complete picture of the trials against Stephen avery and um dassey across but i'm you know it does seem weird that you've got these two kind of competing documentary makers essentially putting forward their kind of their perceived version Mm. of events obviously there's still various kind of appeals happening around this so uh, it feels slightly weird to me. I feel like, uh, something yeah. about it just sits really uneasily. There have been a few um, kind of different documentaries on different channels, kind of making the same point that try, you know, the, that assumption that they have taken his side. But they did. It should be said, the filmmakers of Making Murder did approach, have always approached all of the people involved of the victims' families and everything to get them on board. It's just they didn't want to get involved. So yeah. it's not like they didn't try. They did try. And it, and it's quite clear that it's quite clear that it's following those working for Steve, literally following his yeah. his um, lawyer, his current lawyer, and so yeah, it's showing that side of it. But that's inevitable, isn't it? The, the kind of consequence, of, inevitable consequence of the way the filmmaking has worked. Yeah. In more exciting news. <laughs> oh. What's yeah. wrong oh. with that? Yeah. What judgment? Well, we're doing no, like no, grazing, no, no. grazing it's fine. our it's contributions. Fine. Yes. We're talking about obviously a man's freedom, <laughs> and we're talking about you know the criminal justice system and the future black mirrorization of society. But none of that matters at all because John Favreau has confirmed 
that IG-88 will appear in The Mandalorian. I know what you're saying, but I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. James, James, you're saying IG-88, but what about Forlorn? What about Zuckus and Dengar and Bosk? Well, Boyd, I'll tell you now, we don't know about the other bounty hunters that appear in The Empire Strikes Back at this stage, but we do know that bounty hunting droid IG-88 is confirmed to appear in The Mandalorian. That is very, very exciting. Good. I see. I yeah. can tell the expression on your face that you know. I could, I could yeah. see that it had moved you. Yeah. I don't know whether this is TV news or film news, but it's kind of both. Have you seen all the awardsy news today? So uh, they've announced Joanna Lumley's hosting the Baftas, which is on TV. So that's TV news. And Kevin Hart has, ch- has changed his mind, and he wants to host the Oscars again. Oh my Hang God. Have you seen that? It's yeah, broken no, today. It, what do you mean he changed his mind? Because isn't isn't the truth that he first of all refused? They said you can stay if you yeah. apologise. He refused to apologise. He then did apologise, but they said the Academy yeah. said it's too late. <laughs> yeah, sling you up. Yeah. So what's happened now? Well, no, well, I think in the end he said that he pulled out even before the Academy Academy the Academy Academy, Academy. Academy. now he's changed his mind he's saying he would like to host it again and Ellen DeGeneres has called someone at the Academy personally to say you should have him back and they haven't found a a replacement that's very DeGeneres of her (laughs) very good but isn't that because they can't find anyone else? Well, partly, yeah. But it might, at this point in time, I think it might be him that ends oh up doing God. it. Yeah. Well, it'd certainly be interesting. It would be fascinating, yeah. Billy Crystal. No. I'd love Billy Crystal. I'd love yeah. I didn't like Billy Crystal as a host. I prefer. Didn't just... like Billy Crystal no, as a host. I know. No, What's it's not that I didn't like him. He was very good, but I think he did it a lot, and I got a bit bored of him. It has been a while. I hated Steve Martin as a host. Hated him. Didn't like really? him at all. Yeah, didn't like him at all. Although, obviously, as the worst these people in history, are comedians, and you don't know worst about in history is Seth MacFarlane. I think we can all agree. So, oh, they've been worse. No, the worst one was James Franco and uh, what's yeah, but they didn't sing terrible. a song about people's boobs. That's true. That uh, which I'm saying is a is a mark in their favour. <laughs> uh, here's another, another fact for you. Uh, there's a punishing date, uh, specifically a date for the Punisher. January 18th, we'll see season two of the Punisher debut on Netflix. So if you are, you know, obviously the Marvel shows on Netflix are in their kind of death gasps, but uh, Frank Castle will return on January 18th. And that was quite late-breaking, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, because Netflix clearly don't care yeah. at this stage. But do you know what I mean? Like, we've known yeah. for ages what other stuff was coming out on, on, on January 18th. There's about two other shows on mm. Netflix, which one of which we'll probably review next week. But it was, they suddenly decided that's going to come yeah, out. Yeah, because they, they did a sizzle reel at the end yeah. of last year where it was just barely even mentioned. And yeah. then they said, oh, yeah, and this is coming out. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. And it's a shame. They definitely I, don't I'm going to watch it. I really liked, uh, liked Punisher. So It was one of the better ones, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was monstrously violent. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's good. Uh, and Ben Barnes is back. In this one, yeah, you know, looking a little bit worse for wear. So that is it. Any- oh, can we launch a tribute to Bob Einstein? Sure, go for Marty it. Marty Funkhauser of Kirby Enthusiasm died this week. Yes, indeed, and that he, is true. I did think of you, Boyd, yeah. when I saw the news. I mean, he is absolutely hilarious element of the show. Absolutely phenomenal, legendary character actor. Um, he played Super Dave Osborne as well. He used to be on Dave Letterman all the time. He was like a spoof, evil Knievel type character. You know, he's brother of Albert Brooks. He's a legendary figure. Yeah, yeah. Albert Brooks's real name is Albert, Albert Einstein. Einstein. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely so, true. Uh, and so I've just been watching. I've been rewatching old episodes of Kirby Enthusiasm, in which Marty Funkhauser has roused with, uh, with. I forgot, my brain's gone. I've got Larry David. <laughs> Larry, Larry, David, Larry yeah. David. I've only ever watched one episode of Kirby Enthusiasm, oh, and I thought it was dreadful. Oh, James! idiot! <laughs> I just, oh my god! You know how I feel about comedy. You and comedy gets even worse. But but again, it's that type of comedy, that specific one that I can't watch. That kind of comedy of embarrassment, really awkward kind of like crawl under the couch and die comedy, and I just can't do it. It just it excruciates me. Where'd you stand on Seinfeld? Uh, <laughs> uh, 
That was great. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I watched a couple of episodes of that. I thought it was all right. Oh. Didn't really do it for me. <laughs> oh, my God. We have this to do terrible. a whole show, which is <laughs> yeah. James Reviews Comedy. Yeah. And yeah. it's just you going, right. meh, all right. <laughs> yeah. like, Office didn't like, too embarrassing. I watched a couple of extras, found the Patrick Stewart one a bit funny, but again, could have taken or left it. <laughs> you are um, taking, take, James takes us through the classic <laughs> comedies of all time. I'm under Ian Uchi, absolute genius, but again, oh, it's just not sake. my sense of humour. Like, I appreciate the satire, but I just, I just, you know, can't can't be dealing with it. Do you mean the UK office or the US office? UK office, I've never watched the US office. And you've watched how many? Uh, I can tell you, like maybe two, possibly three. I just three. went. I can't be bothered because it's no, too awkward. I did, no, it's not. It's not. I can't be bothered. It's that it, watching it brings me physical pain. Like I'm, I'm a person who who finds embarrassment quite excruciating, and that that like watching that, I can't do it. Like I, ha- I can't look at the screen. It's just it kills me. Oh, it's Christ. too. It's too awful. Wow. It's, it's awkward. I can't do wow, it. Wow. That is. Can't, can't do it. Speaking of comedy, should we yeah. move on to the world of reviews? We have some things to review. In fact, we've got four things to review this week, which makes up for the fact that there was no news. Uh, shall we begin with the long-awaited return of Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney's Catastrophe? Long one of the best comedies on TV, which, of course, as, you, as we can all agree, I am the perfect judge to say. Uh, I, lo- I love this show. Um, love it, love it, love it. Sort of... It's just so well written as a kind of relationship slash parenting centered comedy. This is fairly full of um, cringe moments, yeah. though. Yeah, but it's also very, very funny. I don't know. I it's very <laughs> hard. It's completely consistent. No. This show is full of observations of awful, cringeworthy behaviour and embarrass- social embarrassment. Yes. But this one is funny. Yes. It's, there's a fine line. I think with this one is because there's. I think weirdly this season, which we're actually or this series, I should say that we're yeah. about to talk about, yeah. I liked less because it was oh, okay. more like that. Right. Yeah. Whereas okay. it has been more genuinely just funny in the past, as well as a bit embarrassing. Whereas this, I think it had more edge and left less lols. It was less fuzzy, less fluffy, less uh, I think comforting than it has been in the past. But what do you guys think? Of it? I, yeah, I agree on. with you. So you know, everyone knows, and just to remind everyone where we left um, the end of the last series, yes. Richard obviously Rob was uh, secretly drinking again and had gone to pick up Sharon and had a crash and said yeah. to her just before the end of the show, I'm going to take a breath while I'm going to fail it. Um, so it opens kind of, um, without any spoilers, but it opens with him in, in court basically yeah. waiting to hear the consequence <laughs> of this. Very, yes. I mean, the opening scene is so funny and so catastrophic and you immediately think yeah. great we're back i watched all four that were made available to us because i couldn't stop which is how <laughs> i first watched catastrophe <laughs> i watched the inf- entire first season in one night um i agree with you and we we were talking about this earlier which is there is a real edge of darkness to this and there mm. are, always has been you know whether it's him the relationship with his mom um whether it's the relationship with his sister yeah. um his obviously alcoholism her um, wanking off students her on a roof. wanking off students <laughs> on a roof um and but there is a real she and they they kind of talk about this and She's really unlikable in in this season. She is. Desperately unlikable. And she always had that edge. She was always... But she always kind of tempered it with this beautiful kind of actually generosity and warmth. She always pulled it back. And I was I was watching it and I was like, oh my God, I really dislike her in this, in this show. And it, it was interesting because I was like, oh, A, I think I'm really used to having to like women in TV. There's a real thing about likability in female characters in TV. But also, just you really root for Rob, even though he fucks he up constantly. He has softer edges because he's he quite charmingly yes. funny in a way that in this series she isn't. Isn't yeah, and so I I liked it. it. There were bits that I felt were 
not as naturally funny as previous seasons. There were some real laughs, but there were moments where it didn't quite work for me. Um, and as I say, I, I gobbled up all four, but it definitely is a darker thing. And I think it's going to reveal itself over the length of the season. I really do. Um, because the dark thing, it, it's sitting a bit uneasily with me at the moment. I'm not feeling about it the way I have previous seasons. Okay. So far, so far. No, I'm, I'm with you on that, Boyd. Um, I do I, something. I think it's because of her performance, and I so I still really like, it, even though she's doing bad stuff <laughs> and she's behaving in quite dark ways. And there is that, and I think they've done. I, what I quite liked about the certainly the first two episodes was how obviously he's borne the brunt of terrible behaviour of his of his secret addiction, all of that. And so, and I thought they tempered that by, by her doing stuff that's kind of in a, in its own way equally bad, so that you weren't kind of judging him more harshly than you judge her. Anyway, they're both as bad as each other. Is kind well, of what I don't I'm think to you say. did right because he's his even though he was secretly drinking and drinking in the in the basement and drinking in the laundry room, and he you know he drove drunk with her in the car, which is horrendous. He, that was kind of the extent of his bad behaviour, where which is which is born hmm. of addiction yeah. and his own psychological trouble. So I think you've always had sympathy with Rob. Yeah. I think it really pushes your sympathy with her in these first episodes because she is an outright <laughs> bitch. Like, <laughs> full barrel. And and she does pull it back. There's a couple of beautiful moments where she reveals yeah. that actually she's quite scared and she's quite upset. And you kind of see where this brittle, hard thing comes from. But the balance is definitely shifted quite considerably i think in terms of how their their characterization really mm, i still yeah I, I know what you're saying but i still really like her I, so i kind of like i kind of accept her the harshness and all of that there's a great little subplot in episode two without wanting to ruin too much which involving a, one of her pupils at the school mm. which i love that little thing because that was kind of quite unpredictable and didn't go necessarily the way you thought it would go and it showed her vulnerability yeah but it also it voices maybe some of the feelings you're having towards her yeah. I think getting yeah. them in the open helps yeah absolutely yeah. yeah so i mean i i know what you're saying i think it is it's definitely a different tone to it I think, and, and, I, and I also, that implication, they're definitely building up to some kind, because this is the last ever series, yeah. so they're building up to something. Something I think it's going to end in quite a powerful way. I'm slightly dreading <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, But I love that about it. It's dangerous, yeah. and it's edgy, and it's um, but it's still incredibly funny, yeah. I think. And it's a show you genuinely have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah. So, how, how often can you say that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Incredible. Right. Very, very good. Love Catastrophe. It is back. That is glorious. It lands Tuesday. on Channel 4 <laughs> on Tuesday at... 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock. Next up... We have a film, which is absolutely not a film, or we wouldn't be talking about it, but we've argued amongst ourselves as to whether or not it is a film, and Boyd is insisting it's a one-off it's TV a event, yes. so we're going to go with this one-off TV event, which happens to be the length of a film, the shape of a film, the structure of a film, and starring film stars. It's film-shaped in every other way, but apparently quite like a duck. It is, of course, James Graham's Brexit, The Uncivil War, which comes to Channel 4 this week. And it is a retelling of the referendum, which, uh, if you haven't heard of it, there was a referendum a few years ago to talk about whether or not we should be part of the European Union. It doesn't get a lot of media coverage these days, but it did happen. Um, hey. so, <laughs> uh, so James Graham's an interesting one. He's a political playwright. Uh, he wrote Coalition, uh, which was also on Channel 4, which I think was in 2010, was about the 2010 coalition between the Liberal Democrats and the Conservatives. Um, and... Uh, 
when, and I think we may have talked about this last year, when I saw the teaser for this, I genuinely thought it was like a, it was a spoof. It was an SNL skit. It was a joke. Because <laughs> you had these parodies of Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage, like, bellowing on camera. And then Benedict Cumberbatch, like, with this sort of Durham accent, sort of like a comb over, like, spouting Brexit propaganda. I'm like, this, they're having a laugh. You know, what, what, sh- what? So it was what, like comic strip yeah, presents. I was like, what comedy show is this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you're like, fuck me, this is an actual thing. This is an actual not film one-off event yeah um but i really liked this uh and not for the reasons i thought i would like the actual story it tells in terms of as a sort of political thriller sort of political suspense piece is fine you know it's okay i think the caricatures of actual political figures are very very jarring especially because they look and sound a lot like them and it feels a little bit like i don't know some kind of live spoof show it's like rory bremner do you know what i mean it's like uh, it feels a bit strange but what it's doing is it's not talking about and Benedict Cumberbatch is a is a, a Remain activist, so you, you it's very very easy to think that this would be like a, a whitewash that it's all about. Oh, you know, Ramona's Ramona's. It's not that at all. It's about the process by which the referendum was fought and the manipulation of kind of data and the dark arts with which. Uh, a this was one and also how all future elections presumably will be for and it's i mean in many ways this is the most terrifying episode of black mirror that's ever come out <laughs> yeah. um but i found it incredibly engaging and i found uh come really good because he plays dominic cummings who is someone i can only assume no one has ever heard of but he was the mastermind behind vote leave uh and just how he works and he's a very sh- i mean deliberately played i think is a very sherlockian character uh and it's just it's fascinating watching this whole thing unravel and it's quite sobering the way it ends and the way it kind of looks forward and it comes at an interesting time when we obviously still don't know what the hell is going on there's a vote Mm. imminently Mm. we don't know what's happening and I think whether you're uh, sort of remain whether you leave none of that really matters this is a really interesting look as to how the nation became rent asunder yes I think I really liked it as well and I think what I liked about it was that um is that it showed you it did it turned this um, whole story of how how on earth did vote leave swindle the British public as a, as a liberal left wing <laughs> um, you know twat as I am, but if you, but it's told it from a very believable insight in a very believable insightful way. So you weren't just it won't just wasn't just pandering to my prejudices mm. um, as an elitist lefty. Yes, it was showing me the process by which this particular guy yeah. Dominic Cummings, who's, who definitely is some kind of strategic genius i mean that's clear that's kind of the you know if like benedict cumberbatch experience of playing various geniuses in his career this is kind of the latest one isn't it that he has <laughs> yeah. these incredible moments of yeah, insight yeah, yeah. equally he's probably an amoral psychopath at the same yeah. time but it was showing you the process rather than judging the process yes. and i think some people might come away with thinking oh are we meant to believe this absolute strategic genius um, was incredible and great. We're supposed to love him. No, I don't think we are, or even like him. But it just showed this is kind of what happened, and I thought we explored that in a very entertaining, almost like political thriller way. So I was kind of gripped and fascinated and intrigued all the way through. I agree with you about the Boris Johnson, mm. Michael Gove, Aaron Banks <laughs> yeah. characters, Nigel Farage. They were all one-dimensional caricatures. But I, th- I guess my feeling was it was showing you from his point of view because he thinks they're a bunch of morons. Yeah. It's all from his point of view. He thinks they're one-dimensional idiots, and that's and he kind of dismisses them mm. and doesn't want to get involved in them. He does his own thing, and I thought that was fascinating and intriguing. But I think people will be quite angry, like Carol Cadwallader, who is the great campaigning journalist who has unearthed a lot of the terrible, terrible and illegal things that the Vote Leave campaign did with their finances, etc. And certainly the whole 
subplot about bringing this mysterious young guy in from Cambridge Analytica to find the data, to to mine the data, to use the information they've got about people who might be interested in voting in the referendum. All of that is dealt with in a kind of wryly comedic way. And I think she's annoyed that they even made this show, which will, because she thinks, you know, they should wait until the, it's kind of all, the investigation's yeah. been done. But I think, I, I kind of know why she's saying that, and I totally respect that. But equally, I think this writer and these people must be allowed to create their own drama and I do mm. think it works as a drama because this isn't the definitive and this is no, not the last thing about it's this. a story but it's important to say that yes it does focus on vote leave but even if you are if you are a leaver this is not like you shouldn't watch this because a it right. doesn't paint the remain campaign in a good light either in fact it makes it very very clear that the leave campaign was better organized more sophisticated and ultimately just far superior yeah, exactly. than the remain campaign exactly. on every single level uh, and in many ways, you know, it's it's evil genius, but it is genius. Yeah. Uh, Terry, <laughs> your turn. <laughs> Terry's stealing it. Everyone put the crash helmets on. Oh, God. Um, so, I didn't, like, I find this infuriating. I don't, not for any of the reasons that you may presume. I don't think that dramatists should ever be told there's nothing they can get their hands around. I think there is difficulty because it is dealing with really serious sobering events that are still unfolding. Mm. So of course you have to presume that there's some kind of um, artistic license in terms of what we know, what we presume, there's still stuff that will be uncovered. You know, there's there's the there's a scene after the murder of um, Joe Cox where they talk about this being about the soul of our country. Mm. That's quite affecting and you remember that this is mm. a real thing that happened and people's lives have been impacted. Um, and for me, that kind of jarred with some of the filmmaking techniques so there's there certain ways it was edited there were certain ways that it was shot that didn't work for me at all and that I just found frustrating to watch did you find at times it was being like poor man's Adam McKay exactly like that they were trying to be exactly that. I big watched, short slash vice yes I mm. watched vice vice was one of my favorite films that I watched at the end of last year yeah Adam McKay is an exceptional filmmaker lots of sleight of hand lots of interesting filmmaking techniques to make things feel exciting and innovative and fresh and make you see things in a completely different light and I felt like this was, there were many attempts at that that didn't land for me at all. Some of the caricatures were just ridiculous. So <laughs> Boris Johnson, I was like, why is it? So Richard Golding, who played Boris Johnson, it was like live action spitting image. Why is there an 18 year old boy in a blonde wig? Like, and the Farage character, Aaron, ba- the Aaron Banks character, there's a, there's a whole scene at the beginning at a country house. On, what, where, is, they're, where they're swigging oh, a vodka on the, bonnet of a Land Rover. Land Rover you know and a <laughs> waiter comes towards him with a tray of champagne he goes Name! and another waiter brings him a tray with a can of beer on it because he's just a regular guy everybody um so stuff i found stuff like that so i found it um a, a really challenging watch i'm glad i watched it mm. i want to say but I did find I I found some of it frustrating, and I did think it's really really fucking hard to tread that tonal line when you're dealing with incredibly serious yeah. real life events with real gravitas with real victims at the heart of it. Um, and and there was tonal jars for me when you are have got that Cambridge Analytica thing and hey three million uh, three million voters. And the way they um, uh, got to that through loads of exposition, they were walking around monuments and walking around parks while they explained the kind of data and the way that they would manipulate algorithms to target these people. And I found all that really fascinating, but in a long-form narrative piece of writing, maybe. But on screen, it was like, <laughs> let's take a walk while I explain in great detail what I'm talking about here. Let me data-splain to you. <laughs> 
so I felt it, like it was very uneven and it didn't quite land for me. Did... Benedict Cumberbatch is amazing. That's, yeah, that's is. kind of yeah, the is. point we can agree yeah. on. He yeah. is remarkable. Somebody said, oh, it's his De Niro moment because he shaved his head. Like, let's not get carried away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you? Didn't, I, I genuinely felt I'd learnt, though, something at the end of it. Yes, I, I definitely felt I understood. I. I felt I understood why leave one. I really did feel but, that, which I, which I kind of... I knew vaguely. I, I had my uh, notions, but his laser focus on mm. take back control as a slogan and on the danger of Turkey joining the mm-hmm. basically lying about that for a start. Everyone get, making sure everyone lied. Yeah, what's his, his whole line? That. He says all you have to keep banging is three hundred and fifty yeah. million yeah. pounds and Turkey, yeah. and they're all chanting it in the yeah. office, yeah. which and of course a, didn't happen. And there's another scene where um, a, 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 a Leave woman in, in the focus group has yes. a meltdown. I loved that, and scene. I thought that was great. I thought that was the most and convincing depiction yes. of why someone gets so furious yep. about wanting to leave. That I've ever seen. And, and I thought those bits made it absolutely valid. The reaction of Craig Oliver at that point yeah. when he realises yeah. that the referendum has actually lost before it's begun. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's yeah. fascinating. No, and I think you're right. I think that was fascinating. It really showed, and as you said, James, it showed the real failures of Remain as well as the kind of proper... And and you do know, you it can be, in many respects, boiled down to the impact of one man or a small group of people, and that is really sobering terrifying, and yeah. really yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And, and so I definitely came away with a better understanding of what I'd just seen on screen. But does that in and of itself kind of wash out everything else that I thought? No. So that's a no deal from Terry. Uh, <laughs> but either way, I think, you know, regardless, I could abs- I think we could all recommend people should watch this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, regardless it's a second it's, referendum for it's me. Another, yeah, absolutely. Which, by the way, if you, if you, if you learn the lesson from this, definitely we... <laughs> <laughs> Remain will lose again. Yeah. I feel. Yeah, because you know, incompetent. Because those idiots. Yeah, they can't get their act together. They won't get their act together. So there you go. Uh, that is Brexit: The Uncivil War, which is on Channel Four. When is it, Boyd? Monday at nine p.m. Monday. So tonight, tonight, tonight. at nine p.m. Yes. Watch it. Watch it, and then we'll have a, you know, vote on it next day. <laughs> Coming up next is an interesting one. Now, of all the shows this week, this was the one I had planned to not watch because I just thought life's too short and I can't bother to watch this. This is Netflix's show Sex Education, uh, which stars Gillian Anderson and Asa Butterfield, who uh, <laughs> tries to get his ender away. <laughs> See, that's that's funny because because he was at Ender in, in Ender's, Ender's game. Anyway, so so this is Sex Education. I wasn't going to watch it. I watched this and I didn't just like it. I loved it. In fact, wow. I think it's the best thing I've seen in. <gasps> As long as I can remember, oh I thought it was so funny and so well put together and so well written and so well acted. And I think Asa Butterfield, who is not good in Ender's Game, but in this <laughs> is just brilliantly awkward and so much fun. And I found this fascinating. So the idea of it is that he's um, he's uh, uh, obviously in England. He's a, he's a school student in secondary school, starting secondary school. He's starting sixth form. His mother, Gillian Anderson, is a sex therapist and his school seems to be set out a lot like for example the school in Mean Girls where mm-hmm. you've got your very archetypal cliques it's very American no one has school yes. uniform yet it's a really posh school can't quite get my head around that but it, it takes place in a weird alternate reality where I found it like so it's chronologically ambiguous <laughs> so when it starts I'm like is this like late 70s early 80s mm. I thought it's late 70s early 80s and then they start talking about Pornhub and they've got smartphones and you're like and then they mention, oh, that's so 2008. So you're like, okay, so it's set present day, but the aesthetic, like Legion a bit, yeah. the aesthetic is kind of pseudo 70s, 80s. Yeah. You know, from the wardrobe to the set design to even the sort of, you know, the ideology in it. Um, 
But the idea is, is that you know, it's it's people in school dealing with school kid issues like wanking and girls and all sorts of things like that, and bullying. And he, using the skills given to him by his mother, essentially comes to the point where he's offering sexual advice to other students. But it is so charming and so well thought through, and so sort of pointed in the uh, in the advice that it gives. I really, really loved this. Like, really, really loved it. Yeah, I didn't like it quite as much as you. Clearly. <laughs> but no, but I did really enjoy it. How many episodes did you watch, by the I, way? I only watched the first okay. one. I only watched the first one. So I realised that that's a is, setup episode, and now yeah. it's going to get into a groove. Yes. So it might lose some of its appeal when it becomes more formulaic. Well, all I'd say, I, I really enjoyed the first episode. The second episode, there are elements of the second episode that are incredibly derivative. Right. So well, I mean, there's stuff in the first episode yeah. that's quite... So know. for me... I really like it. Is, it's beautifully shot. It's filmed, isn't it? Like yes. a kind of 80s teen yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's weirdly like the house they live in, for example, this place where he lives with the mother, the sex therapist. Yeah. She must be the most successful, yeah. wealthy sex <laughs> therapist. lavish. Like, it's like an alpine yeah. lodge. With a load of dicks in it. With a load of dicks in it. It's a load of se- sex things in it. Um, so all of that I found slightly odd, but it looks, it's like Netflix has gone, right, you're going to make this sex comedy sitcomy type thing yeah. the tone of it is very quite broad and funny yes. and, you know but the it'll be a lavish budgeted thing and it'll <laughs> yeah, look amazing it's really expensive yeah so it's got that weird thing going on and the other thing that makes it i think like a thing that only netflix or certainly like i almost couldn't even see channel 4 doing it, is it's fair the, the sex element of it is pretty raunchy <laughs> and you know there's nudity there's a lot of swearing, all of that yep. is very is done very well. And yep. A lot of sex talk, and it's completely uncensored. And I loved all that. I thought it was very, you know, kind of blunt and edgy and raw and all of that. I just felt once you've watched a few more episodes, the derivative elements slightly there's slightly too much. Of it. So there's a scene in episode two. There's a big party, big teen party. Someone is sick on someone else, and then everyone starts being sick on each other. That thing, you know, that's been done yeah. many times before. There are moments like that that felt I've seen these things too often before, but. I still, the crux of it is really great, and, and Asa Butterfield is fantastic. Very charming. And that his best of, mate, yeah. his gay best mate, is brilliant <laughs> as well, great, yeah. who's fantastic. Obviously, again, that's a slightly stereotyped idea, but he is so good, the best mate, that it, 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 you, you're completely won over by him. Yeah. He does extraordinary stuff, goes to extraordinary lengths. It's aware of its archetype, certainly in the yeah. first one. Yeah. It's very aware of where its influences lie, and I think it has affection for those things that inspire it. But I, don't know, I just found this, maybe it's because I didn't want to watch it and thought it would be dreadful. I was like, this is, you know, a I'm, revelation. I'm with you. What is happening? <laughs> oh, new God. year, new agreement <laughs> yeah. with James Dyer. Oh, this my God. making me very uncomfortable. Make it stop. I loved it, and I did, I only saw the first episode as well because i had to watch four episodes of catastrophe <laughs> yeah. clearly um but, and i i agree with you i thought this i thought the stylistic influences and choices were very knowing um i love the like talk of this minge and masturbation everywhere <laughs> oh. and like nothing is off limits nothing. i thought emma um mckay is it um who plays mave who's the like is yeah, amazing absolutely excellent um I just found it really refreshing and very, very, very funny. Mm. Like proper but laugh out consistently loud funny. Yes. Funny, funny, and for me to find anything in well, anything funny, but to find it consistently funny throughout is, you know, epic. Yeah, and his like that. I love his kind of wide-eyed naivety and and innocence, and he plays. Um, Butterfield just plays that absolutely mm, beautifully. He's really, really good in this. Perhaps we found my level for comedy. It's like awkwardness. No, minge and knob gags. Yes. yes. <laughs> But even in this, there's awkwardness as well. Again, your your yeah, but it's awkwardness with minge and knob gags, and so ah, therein right. lies the so clear distinction. There's minge and knob gags. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay, People don't level. say minge anymore. Like it's no. such a naughty's word. Plunge like... is what they said. In no, but the, that's very in between us, isn't it? Yeah. By the way, did anyone see that in between us um, <laughs> celebration thing? 
Oh my god! That oh, was, that got some shit yeah, on social media, didn't it? Yeah, was it was... Friends Reunited? Yeah, it was yeah. misguided with Jimmy that. Carr hosted it. It yeah. looked like a terrible idea, terribly executed. It was just weird. It was um, weird. Anyway, yes, um, but I, no, I, I really, really liked it. I, don't get me wrong; I really, really liked it. I think it's it's and it's surprising how good it is. That's, I completely agree with that because when the you know when you're sent the press release and the premise and everything, you think, oh, that sounds a bit shit, but it, but it is really funny and really well done. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Here's a here's a here's a hot fact for you. Amanda Seyfried has the word minge tattooed on her foot. That is a, that is wow. a fact. Look why? it up. Apparently it's her favourite word. She finds it like it's a funny word. Uh, like she likes the word. So she has the word. Look it up. Google Amanda Seyfried. I believe you, James. You yeah. didn't make that up. No, no. But Google Amanda Seyfried minge foot. Hang on. And, didn't you ask her about this at some point? Uh, I didn't. But someone in the office did. And she showed them her minge. Tattoo. Foot. Foot. Her minge foot. She showed them her minge foot. Anyway, uh, so that is Sex Education, which drops on Netflix. And because it drops on Netflix, I think we can all agree it appears on Friday. Yes. Yes. The 11th. I heartily, heartily recommend you watch that. Last, but certainly not least, we have Charmed, a well-conceived and not at all redundant reboot (laughs) of the 90s staple. Now, my supernatural powers of prognostication lead me to believe that possibly Terry might have a few thoughts on this one. I have lots of thoughts on this, as do you, James, because you actually watched it, didn't you? Oh, it's a fucking hate crime. <laughs> did you go and watch the original Charmed? No, because you were going to recommend me a specific episode oh, yeah. and you never did, oh, yeah. so I haven't. Oh, yeah, you're right. But I watched this, and my thoughts on this are based not so much from being a Charmed fan, because I'm not and I've never watched it. It was like, I watched the first episode, and, th- and this is shit supernatural, because... Like it, this is their mother's killed by an unknown demon, and then they kill the demon at the end. But then the demon turns out not to be the right demon. I'm like, this is the pilot to Supernatural, only with less Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> it's also a bit shit, Sabrina as well. It's shit, Sabrina. Shit. It's shit everything, and yeah. it also it's just shit. Well, okay, so let, let's just give people context <laughs> before getting straight to the it's shit. <laughs> so Charmed was a TV show that aired from the late. Uh, 90s to uh, 2006 and it was following a trio of sister witches whose mother had died um, she also had been killed in by a demon but some years before their grandmother who'd actually ended up raising them had died recently and that's when they discovered they were witches. She'd bound their powers because she didn't want them to um, also have their lives destroyed by magic and what happens is their powers awake and they become witches and they fight evil. However... In the middle of the run, basically, Alyssa Milano, who was one of the sister witches, and um, help me out, Shannon Doherty, Shannon Doherty, who was one of who was the second sister witch alongside Holly McCombs, who was the third sister witch, apparently did not like each other, and there were various fights on set. The next thing you know, Shannon Doherty is no longer in Charmed, and they have cast Rose McGowan, killed. Shannon Doherty. And she's a long-lost sister, the other one. She's a long-lost sister. Oh, amazing. So it kind of picks up, this version of Charmed picks up more along the lines of that because it begins with two sisters, their mum is killed by a demon and along comes a long-lost sister. Now, I'll start with the good points, right? So the good points of this are it's definitely... um, uh, there's more diversity. There's more representation. Um, one of the yeah, um... there are ice demons and fire demons in this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Um, so one of the sisters is dating a woman. Um, one of the sisters is biracial. So there is um, more diversity within this because previously it was literally all the white women in one room. Um, Magic white women. But it's kind of 
parts of it. There's Me Too references. There's um, discussion about people being woke. But, but wasn't it all the references crowbarred in? But all the references crowbarred in. And it, and it points not in a very um, meaningful way, kind of in a bit of a snide way in places. It, some of them really sat like uncomfortably with me. But it's, I mean, the main problem is the performances are amongst some of the worst performances I've seen on television in history. So, in history? <laughs> literally. One of my, there was an amazing bit where um, one of the sisters can read minds and she touches the other sister and goes, Oh my God, you were really lonely as a child. I'm so sorry. I just read your mind. And it was just, Oh, make it stop. So... I didn't like it. Yeah, it wasn't good, was it? It was Bad. weird how I thought it was so weird how they felt. They clearly felt the writers that to touch upon, <laughs> refer to the Me Too stuff, and have a lesbian character, and to have you know for it to be diverse and all of that, it was enough. That's all. We, so basically, the whole reason for bringing back Charm, as far as I can make out, from the people who created the show, is to make it so hip and modern and refer to these things that that was enough but it was actually terrible yeah so you do need to actually write decent dialogue have interesting characters it's not enough a story. just yeah a story it's not enough just to refer to me too constantly in as you say a rather smug yeah. like cre- creepy yeah. way that and i felt they're going oh this is going to be brilliant because we can just talk about that all the time and everyone will love it and love us for being so topical and with it and modern no it is absolutely and diabolical. then to have a big bad with effects that are sub buffy yeah. 30 odd years ago i just so honestly so the, the effects are worse than the orig- original yeah. charmed and, and they were quite um shaky there <laughs> the thing is actual original charmed i know i talk about it a lot right but do you i it, haven't noticed it had real elements of darkness in it. like their mum had been killed by a demon and then prue shannon doty was killed by a demon they were struggling with like what sisterhood meant what kind of the thing in buffy about what do you do when you have to pledge your life to saving the planet how can you still be a woman when you're trying to save the universe is like a, an amazingly valid question i presume yeah. if you're a witch or a, a slayer <laughs> you think so and it, it it tackles like all of these amazing problems through the prism of witchcraft and this show just doesn't have any of those kind of edges of proper drama or proper mm. kind of um any notes of genuine searching or discovery or questioning what it is to be human None of it. So what you're it, saying is, it's no discovery of witches. It, it's no discovery. It, it re- I was going to say, though, genuinely, it really made me appreciate yes. discovery of witches and even more Sabrina, because Sabrina yeah. is a reboot of an but, old show. Well-written, smart, good production values. Good, great production yeah. values. You know, it made me appreciate how well-made those shows yeah. are. Discovery of <laughs> Witches is a really, you know, good-looking, decent, well-made, well-acted show. This looks... It does look like it was made in the 80s. Yes. I mean, I know they're trying to capture some kind of but, 80s but nostalgia not, not vibe. that part of it. But production values have gone up since then. <laughs> you know, you could have at least acknowledged that. And, and, and But it's, it's genuine. It's like, oh, we're just going to refer to Me Too all the time. It's going to be fine. Yeah. No, it's not. So Charmed is coming to... Honestly, it doesn't really matter because we <laughs> cannot possibly allow you to watch it. It is absolutely shocking. Do not waste your time. It's almost certainly going to get cancelled after the first two episodes. So it really I always be. think it's been recommissioned. No, I think you're, you're wrong. You're kidding. I'm pretty sure I read. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is no charm in this whatsoever. So It is on E4 on I, Tuesday. I'm calling witchcraft. <laughs> I'm E4. calling witchcraft. E4 if you are tempted to watch this, watch A Discovery of Witches. If you have already watched that, watch The Magicians. If you've already watched that, go back and watch all of Buffy instead. 
And, and original charm. Original charm. Supernatural's about to hit its 300th episode, every one of which is better than every episode of this. So uh, that's Charmed for you, people. That's our <laughs> not-at-all-biased review of Charmed. And that is it for reviews. But because I'm never going to let this one die... <laughs> We're going to finish on the Banshee segment from the archive where we pull out a show from the pilot uh, annals of TV shows of old uh, and, and celebrate them. Shall, shall I go first? Do you yes. want to go first? Yes. I, okay. This week I'm throwing a centurion's helmet into the ring for Rome. Did you see Rome? Oh, yeah. I yeah. loved Rome. So Rome aired on BBC Two here in the UK uh, between 2005 and 2007. Uh, it ran for two seasons. It was one of the most expensive TV shows ever produced, which is partially why there were only two seasons. The reason for this is because they basically built Rome. They built a set that comprised half the Roman capital uh, on a soundstage in Rome, appropriately. They couldn't have just shot outside, presumably because there's Starbucks and stuff there now. And the series followed uh, the period of transition from Republic to Empire in the first century BC, but from the perspective of two legionaries. So it was Kevin McKidd as Lucius Verinus and Ray Stevenson as Titus Pullo. And these are genuinely one of TV's great double acts. I absolutely loved these guys uh, it also had Kieran Hines in it as Julius Caesar um, and the ever excellent James Purefoy as Mark Antony um, it was a co-production actually this, this was uh, this was co-produced by HBO and the BBC uh, as I said was shot on a soundstage in Rome and the first season alone cost 110 million dollars to make what? and bear in mind that this is back in like the early noughties that is a lot of fucking money because they built that set didn't they they yes, built Rome they built Rome <laughs> and presumably not in a day but they yeah. did they did build Rome yeah um now, I, the thing about this is it was enormous fun. So it was incredibly epic. Uh, it told a great story, but it had really likeable characters and this huge sort of sweeping story of empires and intrigue, massive production values. Uh, unfortunately, the prohibitive cost of this led to cancellation during season two. So they had this five-year plan for the story and it was all condensed into this insanely fast-paced second ye- year that brought them to Egypt and they had Cleopatra in and all that stuff. Uh, and like, they knew they were ending, but any hope of it kind of returning in any form kind of went up in smoke for good when Rome quite literally burned. <laughs> A fire broke out on the studio in 2007 actually destroyed most of the set and Rome burned to the ground. But, and this is the best bit, what was left of Burned Rome actually appears in the Fires of Pompeii episode of Doctor Who, which was shot on that soundstage using that set. Hot Doctor Who fact for you there, Boyd. That is a good Doctor Who fact. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Well done. Yeah, I loved Rome as well. There was a lot of there was a lot of good good shoots of sex and violence in it as well. Oh, absolutely loads. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was very booby. Yeah, very very (laughs) very booby. Booby Booby and bottomy. Very booby. Very bottomy. Uh, I think you see the full Purefoy at some point. Yes, I was going to say. I'm pretty sure you see. Yeah. Did you ever watch um, James's Pure Fire? Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch Spartacus Blood and Sand? Oh yeah. I mean, because that was the that was ridiculous, boobiest, dickiest, yeah. mingiest. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was extraordinary. Because that was made for I think the Stars Channel, isn't it? In America, it was Star- made for wanking. Yeah, but Stars' <laughs> speciality is literally wank fest. Yeah, it's Stars kind of historical Max. dramas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not Banshee itself. Like uh, it was all boobs right. and punching, wasn't there you it? Go. It was. Yeah. Uh, but but Star Spartacus, I remember I used to watch that on my iPad and the looks I used to get on the tube because <laughs> it's just wall to wall naked flesh yes. and swords. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that was Rome and I loved it. What have you guys got? Uh, I've got Broad City. You've I've, seen Broad I've City? heard amazing yeah. things about it Broad and I've never watched it. Broad City is, is a great um, comedy, American comedy, starring Abby Jacobson and Ilana Glazer as 20-something best friends. They are genuine best friends in real life. Mm. And it's about their misadventures in New York, trying to kind of just live their lives. Um, and it's very quirky and unpredictable. And But it's, it's a kind of celebration of this female friendship. 
And it's a it's a joyous program. And all, the reason I kind of stumbled upon it again because I was clicking through my Sky box sets, and it's all there on Sky, so you can watch it. Well, I think there's like four seasons of it, forty episodes. And honestly, once you get into it, it's fabulous. I, I, that that made uh, a number of people sort of like TV shows of the year list. I think, yeah. in the uh, yes. in the year that it first yeah came it started out. about. Uh, it's it's three or four years yeah, ago. and they're, they're best friends in real life. So yeah, it's yeah. like the American Birds of a Feather. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. Is that what we're saying? No. There's like nothing the like Quirk and Linda Ross. Nothing of... like the American Birds of a Feather. The, oh, okay. the writing is bang on. It was yeah. um it first aired when I lived in New York and it is such an accurate depiction yes. of Brooklyn hipsters. Hipsters, it's, that's the it's word. It's so brilliantly yeah. observed. It is bang yeah. on the money. But it's very wry, isn't it, about yeah. the hipsters. Yeah. And it's definitely aware of how the hipsters are trying to outdo mm. each other and the ludicrous lives and things and things they do. Oh, this is very much on my list. I yeah. definitely want, need to watch this. And that's it's still great. going, isn't it? Is it still going? I'm or is it finished? Sure. You know what? I'm not even sure if it's still going. But okay. it's definitely all on Sky. Well, it, yeah, well, what, you can watch it regardless. Terry, what have you got? You what, got what ridiculous, you know, true crime, reality TV, game show, soap opera have you brought us? Ah, you want to talk about Wentworth? As in, as in, as in Wentworth Miller, the uh, star and writer of Prison Break. <laughs> it's not. It's not a million miles away. Wentworth is the modern day reimagining of Prisoner Cell Block H. Oh my god! It's... This is the most you thing that's ever been made. <laughs> it's. It started in 2013. It's still going today. Um, it, I think it was originally called Wentworth Prison, and then they had to lose the prison for some reason. But um, it's basically set in a women's prison, following a woman who, in the first season is done for murdering her violent husband and it is as brutal and gratuitous and pretty horrific as the original prison cell block h um awful prison guards violent sex lesbianism like it's it's full on women's prison shiz and uh you should totally watch it but she essentially plays the young b smith do you remember b smith in prison cell block h vinegar tits I, not, no. I can't believe you I, imagine for a second I've watched Prisoner <laughs> Cell Block Age. I didn't watch it so, either, but I'm aware so of it. So it's like her origin yeah. story, essentially, because she's... Vinegar tits. <laughs> so, but she, that's what they used to call... So the prison warden, um, the really mean one, they used to call Vinegar Tits, and, she, and B was basically the woman who ran the gang in prison. And in Prisoner Cell Block Age, she... I mean, in my, I always thought she was in her 70s, but probably she was more realistically in her 50s. And this is kind of her origin story. This shows her when she first goes to prison. It is excellent. It's always on at like one in the morning. Um, and I stayed up one night and watched about four of them. Can I just say... It's on Channel 5, isn't it, here? Uh, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, Terry, would do brilliantly in prison. Do you think? Absolutely. Well, you think she'd that. be the gang oh, leader. Ab- yeah. you, like, we'd yeah. all be her bitches yeah. if we were yeah. in prison. Yeah. And you'd have the whole... All your gang would wear berets. You'd have the red one. They'd all wear black ones. <laughs> But I did wonder this. I wondered if it would go one of two ways. Either I can only really make it in the real world and in prison I would fold like a pack of cards. Yeah. Or I would totally like have the shiv and the gang oh, and yeah, the you'd like. Have the shiv, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I firmly believe you would be running the prison within about a week. Okay, that's good. Uh, that yeah. makes me really agree, happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's prisoner cell block. Terry. Yeah. Um, Broad City <laughs> is still going, by the way. In fact, the last season begins in January in America, so hopefully it'll arrive here soon. Good. Just saying. There you go. There's some excellent recommendations to get you going into the new year. And that is it for the first 2019 episode of the Pilot TV podcast. We will be back next week. Uh, but as ever, do hit us up on social media in the meantime at Pilot TV Mag. Please leave us as many many five-star ratings as possible on iTunes because, and this is absolutely true, each time you do so, an angel gets her wings. 
We'll be heading to our sets to watch this week's live sequel to The Uncivil War, in which Theresa May will oversee the end of civilization as we know it. Pilot out. <laughs>